Hello, Common Ground. Uh, my name is Luke, and I am so excited today to be sharing a message with you as we launch this series called Becoming Emotionally Mature. I'll tell you a bit more about it in a second, but uh, I was thinking in preparation for this message about a day my youngest son came home, and he came home from school a while back, and um, he, he used a phrase that we don't use as a family. He, he said in reaction to something, I think he even, even may have been singing a song, and he said the phrase, Oh my God. And uh, we were, I mean, we, we played it cool, but uh, we knew we had to address this little blunder. And so we spoke to him about, my boy, actually, uh, that's not a nice thing to say. And this is what it means, etc. And this is how other people experience it. So, so we as a family, don't, we, don't, we don't talk like that, my son. We're, we're Harpers, that's, that's how it is. And so he said, but dad, his pushback was... Oftentimes at church, people talk about God and my God. And so, so people do say it at church. I said, yeah, oh, my boy, you know, people do talk about my God in church, et cetera. But, but we, don't talk, we don't talk like that as a family. And kind of I explained it a lot better there. And, and he got it and I was clear. And I thought, I thought we were understanding each other, right? So it was about a month later. And, uh, and he came home from school. And uh, he said to me, Dad, you know, there's another bad word. Uh, someone said, Beep, and he said it at school today, and I was like, "Whoa!" Because this is this is a serious, serious word that he said, you know. Um, but but my teacher, she spoke about it, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So he said, "Don't worry, Dad. I'll only say it in church." Whoa! Imagine my shock when I had to put a handbrake on and explain a little bit further um, about how we do things and don't do things. I tell you the story because I, I want you to know this: uh, as pastors and preachers, I think sometimes people think. Of, of us as some kind of special category of human being. I want you to know that is, that is absolute nonsense. Pastors and preachers, and myself I'm speaking of now, we struggle with exactly the same thing that everybody else struggles with. And today we begin a journey called Becoming Emotionally Mature. And I say that to you because I am as excited for us as a church to go on, go on this journey as I am for myself. This is something I, this is something we need. The reality is that uh, very few of us, in my experience, are taught how to deal with our emotions. And, 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 and it's such a fundamental part of life, isn't it? And if you don't learn these things, you kind of just grow up making it up as you go along. And so we can just kind of fumble our way through. And this series is built around the idea that as we grow in maturity in Christ, we should grow in our emotional maturity too. If we think we're becoming um, more mature in Christ, and yet simultaneously are not becoming more emotionally mature, then I think we're mistaken. And we're gonna be tracking in this message series along with Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I recommend it to you if you wanna go on and, and buy the book for yourself and have a read, it'll make a great companion to the series. But so many, in fact, all of the principles that we're gonna be working through over the next five weeks comes from uh, Pete Scazzaro's book. Over the past two years or so, we've been working through the gospel of Mark. And uh, as we've looked closely at the life of Jesus, I want you to think through all the different emotions we've seen on display in Christ's life. We've seen Jesus greatly disturbed in spirit. We've seen Jesus weeping, weeping at the graveside of Lazarus, seen Jesus weeping um, over the state of Jerusalem. We've seen Christ angry, angry at the disciples, angry over the commercial abuse of the temple. We've seen Jesus distressed. 
We've seen Jesus longing to be with his disciples. We've seen him showing compassion, overcome with compassion towards widows, towards lepers, towards blind men. We've even seen Jesus rejoicing. All that to say, on Christ is display the, the, the full array of human emotion. Jesus felt the full gambit of human emotion. I think sometimes we can uh, be tempted to think of Jesus a little bit like Clark Kent, Superman. And, and on the outside, he's kind of disguised uh, like an ordinary person, but on the inside, he's smuggling Superman, right? Jesus wasn't pretending to be like us in terms of being a human. Jesus was fully human. Everything about Christ uh, and his emotional response was human. Yet, simultaneously, Christ was 100% divine as well. I know it's hard to understand. How can you be 100% human and 100% God? I don't fully know, and I don't know that we'll ever fully understand it, but Jesus was the coming together of those two worlds. It was God coming on, taking on flesh, and becoming a human being. Yes, he came to, to live in a godly way on behalf of you and I. But at the same time, he also came to show us how to be fully human. In Christ, we see the very best expression of, how, of our humanity. And, and as we study Christ, one of the things we can see is that, how to deal with emotions, what emotional maturity looks like. In looking at Jesus' life and seeking to become like him, we don't just see how to love how to serve and how to care for others, we also see in Christ how to deal with stress, how to deal with pressure, pressure, what it looks like to face anxiety and fear and loss. We see all of these things on display in Christ's life. The thing is though, if you're anything like me, and in fact, all of us do this, we read the Bible through our own lenses. If this is not something on your radar, it's often the kind of thing we'll see past. It's there, but we just miss it oftentimes. Uh, I think this is such an important series for us to look at now. Think of it just, just in the context of South Africa. Think over the last two years, all the things we faced. Uh, over the last two weeks even all the things we have faced and are facing as a nation. This series, this call, this drawing out more from us toward emotional maturity is so critically important in our lives as we grow and we become more like Jesus. The reality is that all of us have emotional pain. Every single one of us, yes, yeah, some, some more than others, but none of us are immune. All of us live with and live in emotional pain. And generally, I think we don't know what to do with it. Generally speaking, we're not sure. We're often okay with what to do with uh, the so-called positive emotions, but the negative emotions uh, can, can, can leave us uh, wondering. Uh, we struggle with them. In fact, and it's not just in culture that we struggle to deal with our negative emotions. We struggle in the church. We can even, even at, in some parts of the church regard negative emotions as um, especially ones like sadness, fear, anger as less spiritual. Even, even, even worse, as opposed to the Holy Spirit. And so we've got to grapple with this as a church. It's just not something that we've learned to do, I think, particularly well. Think in this cultural moment, I think the greatest thing we do with our negative emotions is we kind of just uh, push them away. We distract ourselves away from them across the board. I think some would do it uh, in the lane of Eastern religion and Eastern philosophy and Buddhism amongst them. Uh, Buddhism teaches detachment, the idea that suffering is the byproduct of desire and attachment. 
is that when we desire something, we're attached to something, suffering can, can be the result. In other words, we feel emotional pain because we desire and care deeply about something, which is so true. But where I differ with this kind of Eastern philosophy that, that many around uh, my life and your, your life w- would subscribe to is, is the way we deal with pain, though, is not to detach from, from things in our lives, like kind of Jedi Knight philosophy or, or let, we let go and we transcend and we be free and we detach and we kind of rise above it all. This is not what, what I think it means to be human. I think to be a, a fundamentally, to be a human being is not to detach. To be a human being is to care deeply about certain things. But the reality is that will open you up to pain and to loss. We looked at the Eastern kind of understanding. How about the, the, the secularist understanding? That, that, that's the belief that suffering is real, suffering sucks, and there's nothing you can do about it. <whistles> Happens, right? The bumper sticker. We've all seen it. You just got to get on with life and try to distract yourself as best as you can. And so what we do is we medicate. We, medi- we medicate through distracting ourselves with, with our preferred treatments. For some, it's drugs. For others, it's extreme sports. For others, it's binge watching Netflix, escaping on, on, uh, on holidays that we look forward to to escape, to escape our present reality. Uh, and, and, we, and, and we build everything on there to kind of distract us from our lives. For some, it's workaholism. For others, it's money. It's buying things. It's sex. It's hobby, hobbies. But all of these things can be a form of distraction to pull us away from from acknowledging and being aware of the kind of low-grade emotional pain that many of us live with. How about this one closer to home in the church, the kind of Western escapist or much of Christianity? And if I'm honest with you, this is how I grew up. And I don't know that I was discipled into it as much as I kind of just picked it up as I grew up and spent time in church. Here's what happens for many of us in church when we experience pain and when we experience loss. We remind ourselves of the truth. We remind ourselves, Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. The kingdom of God is here. Anything is possible, right? I'm a part of the family of God. God is my father. The spirit of God is with me 24-7. There's nothing I can face uh, in my lifetime with which... uh, uh, is not trumped by the truth that the resurrection of Jesus is coming. Uh, Sorry, not the resurrection, the return of Christ is coming. The resurrection is real. All of these truths, we preach them to ourselves. We know that suffering has got an expiry date. So when suffering comes knocking at my door, what do I do? I tell it to take a hike. Now, is everything that I've just said true? Absolutely true. I believe it to the core of my being. It's true. And and it's true that sometimes we need to tell our emotions to take a hike. But what happens when you tell your emotions to take a hike and they just go, nah, I'm not going anywhere. What then? Well, then I think for many of us in church is our default setting is basically to fake it until we make it. And so what we do is we suppress it, we ignore it, we put on a worship album and we distract ourselves from that thing that we're facing by thinking about something else. Maybe you put on a podcast, maybe you listen to a sermon, but you do what you, you, you take spiritual things to distract yourself from the reality of the pain that you're feeling and the hope and that eventually it fades away. But the bottom line is we don't deal with it and we ignore it until it goes away. 
Okay, so then let's play this out, right? All of these different philosophies, all of these different beliefs and ways of processing negative emotions, let's play this out. If you go through life experiencing loss and hurt after hurt and you never deal with them, if you go through a year like 2020 or 2021 and you just press on and you just take on the next goal and you focus on the next thing and it's always progress and you never stop to process what's actually happening is we, 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 we accumulate unhealth in our soul. We never stop. We, we, never, we never stop to look beneath the surface of what's really going on within ourselves. And, and I want to say to us today, this is not the biblical way. This is not the way of Jesus. And today I want to speak about the first principle on this becoming emotionally healthy journey. And, and, and it's this principle of we need to, in order to become emotionally mature, we need to learn to look beneath the surface of our lives. We need to look beneath the surface of our lives. Pete Scazzaro in his book, he says this, when we deny our pain, losses and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Sad to say, that is the fruit of much of our discipleship in our churches. But when I began to allow myself to feel the wider range of emotions, including sadness, depression, fear, and anger, a revolution in my spirituality was unleashed. I soon realized that a failure to appreciate the biblical place of feelings within our larger Christian lives has done extensive damage, keeping free people in Christ in slavery. He says elsewhere in his book, and, and quoting here from Dan Allender and Tremper Longman in their book, uh, The Cry of the Soul, they say this, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, often we turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control of our inner world. We are frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our inner consciousness. In neglecting our emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes from brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. The bottom, line, the bottom line in this series here is if we are going to mature as Christians, if we're gonna become more emotionally mature to match our spiritual maturity, we're going to have to learn to look beneath the surface of our lives. It's our big idea for the day. Growth and maturity is gonna come through looking beneath the surface of our lives, which means asking ourselves the question, what is going on within me that Christ is wanting to work on? What is going on within me that Christ is trying to change? Pete Scazzaro in that book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he describes an emotionally healthy church, a disciple in an emotionally healthy church like this. He says, these people understand that a person's life is like an iceberg with the vast majority of who we are lying deep beneath the surface. And they invite God to bring their awareness and to transform those beneath the surface layers that hinder them from becoming more like Christ. You see, it's true. Our emotions are limited in their ability to tell us too much about the external or outside world. 
But it's also true that our emotions do provide profound illumination to how we internally are reacting to and processing these things that happen in the outside world. And and the thing is, we have very little control and influence over the outside world, but we have a great opportunity to be transformed in our inner world into Christ-likeness. And the key is we need to learn to look beneath the surface of what's happening. Increasingly, uh, I'm realizing, and if you've been in church for any length of time as well, you'll know this too, but, but it's possible to do a whole lot of good spiritual activity and yet, yet never look, about, look at what's really going on deep within your soul. It's possible to read your Bible, to pray. It's possible even to memorize scripture, to, to go to church, to serve in church, to, to practice simplicity, to practice generosity. All of these things are good things. And, and I think any serious Christ follower should be living in these ways as well. But in spite of all of this spiritual activity that is so good, it's, it, we can be oblivious to the deep struggles, even denial uh, to what's really happening on deep within us ourselves, which is why Scazzaro in his book to leaders says this, and see if you can understand or relate to any of these. He says, it's why you can be a gifted speaker for God in public and yet be a detached spouse or an angry parent. It's why you can function as a leader and yet be unteachable or insecure and defensive. It's why you can quote the Bible with ease and still be unaware of your personal reactivity to others. It's why you can fast and pray regularly and yet remain critical of others, even justifying it as discernment. It's why you can lead people for God and then in reality, your primary motive is an unhealthy need to be admired by others. Lastly, you can be hurt by the unkind comment of a coworker or friend and justify saying nothing because you avoid conflict at all costs. Even dressing it up as the spiritual, the fruit of gentleness. So where do we begin our uh, journey toward emotional maturity? We're going to learn to look beneath the surface of our lives by focusing on how Christ looked beneath the surface of his life. If you've got your Bible, won't you open up on your screen or on your paper Bible to Matthew chapter 26 and make sure you follow along with me as we look at uh, Jesus in this passage is in his Gethsemane prayer. Christ is about to be betrayed. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be abandoned. He's about to be tortured and ultimately crucified. We're talking about stress. We're talking about fear. We're talking about anxiety. We're talking about dread. How does Christ deal with this moment in his life? Let's look closely at him now. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through to 39. And then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. First thing I want us to see here, before we get into it is he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I think most of us, when we think of going into the presence of God, we think we'll be happy. 
What we see here though, is as Jesus draws near to God, we see that in his soul, in this deep visceral part of his being, he begins to be troubled, even as he approaches the presence of God. I mean, can you imagine what Jesus is feeling? It says, overwhelmed to the point of death. Try and imagine yourself as one of those disciples, just a little bit away, in earshot, able to see what Jesus is, is going through. But Christ knows the cross is coming for him. It's this impending reality that, that, that is all consuming and he's feeling overwhelmed as this cross dominates his emotional state. What do we learn from him in this place? I wanna point us to five things as we look beneath the surface of our lives. The first one is this, is Jesus doesn't isolate from his trusted companions. Jesus, in looking beneath the surface of his life, doesn't isolate from his trusted companions. He doesn't just go off on his own. He doesn't disappear like a maverick off into the wilderness to process this all on his own. I think many of us are tempted to do that in modern individualistic culture. Yet Jesus is, yes, he's in personal alone time with his father, but, but he, he brings his trusted companions with him. They're in earshot. It's why we can read these gospel accounts because someone could hear him. They knew what he was processing they could see what he was going through because Jesus brought them with him. Don't be tempted to just go off on your own in your dark moments of the soul. Learn from Christ to make sure you take a few trusted companions with you as you go into the presence of the Father. Number two, what do we learn from Christ? Jesus is aware of his emotions. Jesus is aware of what he is feeling. He looks below the surface of his life and he peers into his soul and he's able to name what he's experiencing. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. Christ articulates what he's feeling. Oh, I'm gonna say something and it's, ah, oh, I cringe as I say it, but, 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 but to borrow a corny phrase from the 90s, Jesus is in touch with his feelings. Now, now, let me just stop you, because if you're anything like me, it's right about there, you're tempted to dial out, right? And think, oh no, this is not spiritual. He's talking about things uh, that, that are just, that don't concern me. This is nonsense. Absolutely, this concerns your life. That we're learning from Christ what it means to be a human being and to be emotionally mature. Let's, let's look in here. Don't dial back. Notice that Jesus doesn't suppress his emotions. He, he doesn't deny his emotions. He doesn't distract himself. He doesn't like, put on a song and, 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 and take himself away to some other place, you know. He, he doesn't quote a feel-good scripture. He is aware of everything that he's feeling and he's able to give it a name. He's got a vocabulary to name his emotions. As I've prepared this as a South African man, I'm realizing I've got a long way to go in learning to be like Christ. What does this look like in our lives? What does this look like in your life? It looks like being able to name what it is you're feeling. Man, I'm really feeling, I'm really feeling down. I'm really dreading this thing. I, I, I'm so grumpy today. I'm, I'm really scared because Christ is able to name the emotion he's experiencing, but, but, but it's more than that. When we're looking beneath the surface of our lives, it's not just being aware and naming the emotion, but it's being aware of how that thing is affecting you. You know, sometimes our emotions affect us physically. You, to look beneath the surface of your life is to be aware of, of how your habits are changing. Maybe, maybe you're struggling to concentrate. 
Maybe you're struggling to sleep. Maybe suddenly, out of character, you're binge watching series. Perhaps you realize, man, I've hit the hooter so many times today. I'm not normally like this. Something is going on. Becoming a look, looking beneath the surface of our lives means we become aware of our emotions and aware of our habits and our, even our physical being. Our emotions affect us physically and how we are being affected by our emotions. Christ was aware of his emotions. And if we're going to become more mature in our Christ-likeness and our uh, emotional maturity, we need to become aware of our emotions. It's self-awareness. The, se- the third thing we see in Jesus is Jesus is aware of why he is feeling the way he's feeling. As human beings, we're the only creatures on the planet who have the ability to think about what we think about. Just think about it for a second. As human beings, we're the only creatures on the planet who have the ability to think about what it is that we think about. Uh, We can be aware of why we feel and why we desire the way we do. Jesus is aware of his his emotions, but he's also aware of why he's feeling that way. He he says, my soul is overwhelmed to the the point of sorrow. Uh, He's aware of his emotions, but then he says, if this cup can be taken from me, I'm feeling this way because of this thing that is happening. He's aware of his emotions. If this cup can be taken from me, He's aware of his desires as well. What we learn here is it's not just about knowing what it is you're feeling, but it's important uh, to, to know why it is you feel that way too. Man, I'm really feeling hyped. Man, I'm really feeling scared. Man, I'm I'm really feeling indifferent. Okay. Now I begin in my looking beneath the surface of my life, I begin to ask myself, why am I feeling this way? And, and, and learning from Christ to do this in the presence of God, right? He does this in prayer. Why am I feeling so blech this morning? Blech, B-L-E-G. It's a proper word in the dictionary. It's a beautiful one to articulate something of what I've felt so much during COVID. Why am I so angry with my spouse or my friend or my child or my colleague, right? Why am I so angry? And sometimes in asking the why question behind the emotion, you discover that the emotional trigger is this big and your emotional response is this big. And you discover that there's a disproportionate emotional response. It's in those situations we need to keep asking the why question. What is going on within me that's causing this disproportionate response? Why am I so angry? Why am I becoming so critical of others? Why is it that when I'm alone, I feel compelled to pick up my cell phone? Why do I dread this meeting every week? Why do I feel so driven to succeed and to be noticed? You see, because until we know the whys, we won't be able to to surrender that part of our life to Christ. We won't be able to begin this journey toward emotional maturity. The fourth thing we see from Christ is Jesus prays his emotions and his desires to God. This is critical. Jesus prays his emotions and his desires to God. And and, and maturity, becoming more like Christ means learning to pray honestly, honest prayers before God. Having come face to face with the state of his soul, he then prays his feelings and his desires to his father. He gives God his desires. He says, God, if this cup can be taken from me, God, if there's any other way, He brings his deepest desires to his Father. I think we can be so prim and proper with our prayers, can't we? We prefer praying the right thing over the true thing that we are really experiencing and desiring. But prayer is a place where we've got to learn to be completely honest with our emotions and with our desires before God. 
We do this in light of God's grace, in faith that God's grace meets us there. We bring our deepest, darkest desires, our true desires to God. Now, let me just distinguish here. Christ was perfect and sinless. Jesus never had a dark or sinful desire. You and I, though, we do. And I'm advocating that we take even our darkest desires to our Father in prayer and repentance and grace. We, we need to learn how to be honest with God with all of our desires. I mean, what else will you do with those things if we can't bring them to God? We'll end up suppressing them, hiding them, denying them. But when we bring them to God, Christ can meet us there in grace and begin to transform our hearts as we bring ourselves honestly before God and he meets us there in grace. And lastly, what do we learn from Christ yet? Christ gives God his trust as well. Jesus gives God his trust as well. He says, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. God, this is my desire. God, if this cup can be taken from me, but yet, God, not my will be done, your will be done. This is how I feel right now. This is how I desire right now. But more than that, God, I wanna do what is your will. I wanna follow you. God, I wanna trust you. Although I feel like this, I wanna follow you in this way. This is what we see Christ doing here. And so Jesus surrenders his emotions. He surrenders his desires and he trusts in God. And it's an honest true surrender to God, that, that, that we will discover emotional health coming to our lives. It's in this place of pain where Jesus meets his father. Do you see the words Jesus uses to address God? He says, my father, it's his, he knows he's coming to meet with his loving father in this place of honesty. And it's before his father that Jesus is aware of what he's feeling. He's aware of why he's feeling that way. He's honest before God. He's surrendering and he's trusting to God. And it's there that he receives clarity about God's will for his life. It's there that he receives empowering grace and strength that he needed to take the difficult steps from that place of prayer. And it's there in that place that you and I will receive those things too. Five things we learn from Christ and looking beneath the surface. But here's the thing, you know and I know that when you walk out of this door, or when you walk out into your life, this is not easy, is it? Why is this so difficult to put into practice in our lives? I've been thinking in my own life as I've been living in this, here's three things that just get in the way and, and three obstacles that if you're gonna push in on this journey toward emotional maturity, you're gonna need to overcome in your life. Number one, uh, why this is so difficult is it's so difficult because we're just so busy. We're just so busy with all that is happening in life. We're so distracted with all that we've got going on. But can I remind us, part of the reason we're distracted is, 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 is in order to take our attention off looking beneath the surface. And the solution is simple, but it's difficult. We've simply got to create space in our lives to be able to do this hard work. It's just too important not to. Busyness is not a good enough excuse, although it's gonna require that all of us make some changes in our lives. The second thing that I can see that's gonna be an obstacle to us is I think we're scared to look beneath the surface of our lives. I know, if I'm honest with you, I am. One of the, one of the parts of this journey is actually starting an emotional, emotionally healthy journal, and I'll explain a bit more about that in a second. But uh, I must be honest with you, I put that off for weeks, and it wasn't because I was too busy. It was simply because I was afraid of what I was gonna to begin to discover as I start to really pay attention and look to the things that are happening within our hearts. 
we're scared. We kind of delay. It's like, it's like if you're afraid of going to the dentist, you delay until you can't bear the pain anymore. And then by the time you get there, it's too, you know, then it's drastic and you need greater interventions. We kind of live like this. Let's not be those people. And lastly, I think the, the, the last thing we've got to overcome, and this is a big one, is that as a generation, we're incredibly uncomfortable with pain. I mean, all, all people are uncomfortable with pain, but, but it's like we will do anything we can to get away from it. It's like I can't stand to feel this way and to be with Jesus and ask these hard questions because I want to do anything I can to get away from this pain that I'm feeling. And so we settle for praying shallow prayers like, God, please take these feelings away from me. I mean, how many times we ever pray prayers like that? I'm God, God, I'm so angry at my parent or my spouse or my friend. Please just take these feelings away, God. But God almost never answers prayers like that, does he? And I think he almost never answers prayers like that because God is so loving that he refuses to change our emotions because he's more concerned with changing our character and our hearts. And so we've got to learn to be more comfortable in this place of pain with God in his presence, just like Jesus was. We're going to have to overcome these challenges. We're going to have to learn to adapt as we grow towards Christ-likeness. Last question as we come in towards landing now. How do we incorporate this into our daily lives, right? Looking beneath the surface is such a vitally important habit that probably, generally speaking, most of us haven't learned to do, but need to do if we're going to become more emotionally mature. We've got to overcome some obstacles. We've seen that. But how do we do this in our everyday lives practically? And so for the next five weeks, I want to challenge you to look beneath the surface of your life. I want to challenge you to make this a part of your daily routine. And here's how. To incorporate this habit into your bedtime prayers. To incorporate this habit into your bedtime prayers. In the next steps to this message, download the journal that we've put together to help you do this. But let me take a stab quickly at articulating what it looks like having journaling, uh, being journaling in this thing myself. Here's what you do. Before you do your bedtime reading, whatever it is you read, before you switch off the light, you take this emotionally healthy journey and, and journal and you answer three simple questions. And, and you can use as many or as little words as you like, right? As long as you get to God in prayer, you answer these questions. Number one, what was the loudest emotion that I felt today? What was the loudest emotion that I felt today? Write it down. And in this booklet is a really cool, you can sit on the screen now, there's a really cool emotional descriptive wheel where we can get language that we don't yet possess to be able to articulate these things that we're feeling. We're gonna grow in our ability to be aware and to articulate what we feel. Number one, what is the loudest emotion I felt today? You write it down. Number two, why did I feel this way? What is the trigger? It could be a very short answer, but you might discover that the response was greater than the trigger. It was disproportionate. Then you've got to ask why a few more times to get to what's really going on in that place. And then the last question, and this is where the action really happens. What is going on within me that Christ is trying to change? What is going on within me that Jesus is wanting to change? And, and whether you write something here or not, that's not the point. As long as you get to Christ in prayer, Jesus, this is what happened. This is how I felt. And I think this is what it's showing within my heart. 
and you invite Christ and you bring, you bring him your desires and you invite God to meet you there. First and foremost, this journal is about shaping our prayers from the inner reality of our lives and coming into the presence and person of God. And what you will discover, like me, is that my soul is more broken and more needy than I knew. And simultaneously, God is more loving and accepting than I knew. This is the journey that waits for you. So let's recap this journey as we look through these things. We've looked at principle number one. If we're gonna become emotionally mature, if we're gonna grow in this, we need to learn to look beneath the surface in our lives. And what that means is that, that, and you're welcome to take a screenshot of this slide if you wanna keep these things as well. What that means is Jesus doesn't isolate from his trusted companions when he's looking beneath the surface of his life. He involves trusted people. Jesus is aware of his emotions. He's aware of why he is feeling what he's feeling. He, he prays his emotions and his desires to God and he gives God his trust too. You're going to have to overcome challenges, the challenge of busyness, the challenge of fear and unfamiliarity. And lastly, the challenge of this is going to be uncomfortable, but God is gonna meet you there as well. And to start your 35 day emotional maturity journal as you just begin to pray from your inner reality each day and connect with your heavenly father. I'd love to pray for you as we embark on this journey together. Jesus, I thank you so much that you incarnated, you became a human being, fully human, in order to live on our behalf the life we should have lived, but also to show us what it means to live in a fully human way, Jesus. I thank you that you show us how to come into the presence of our heavenly father, honestly, how to slow down and not run faster than what's, what, what our souls can reasonably move at, Jesus, in order that we wouldn't accumulate baggage and hurts and take them with us into our present relationships and situations, God. So Jesus, I pray for us as a church as we begin this journey of becoming emotionally mature, God. Teach us what we don't know, God. Grace us with a period whereby your spirit would empower us to overcome the challenge of busyness, to overcome even our personal fears, even when this feels uncomfortable and difficult and we don't know how to do it because it's foreign for many of us. God, would you help us and give us a few wins early on in this process, God? But I pray for us that we would be a, a people of men and women who are aware of what it is we're feeling and what it is that's going on within us, why it's happening and comfortable enough because we understand your grace to bring you our deepest desires, God, and then to surrender and to trust you as we discover strength, as we discover grace to be who we are and then to live in your ways, God. I pray that we wouldn't be a people who accumulate unhealth in our souls. We would, we would never be a people who busy ourselves with good things as a distraction from facing some of the really difficult things within us, God, but that you would coach each of us in how to process and handle our emotions in a way that honors you, Christ, and reflects you to everyone we engage with in our lives, God. Ask this in your name, Jesus, for your glory.
Amen.